I'm Tess Vigland, and as we work, we're wondering, hey, what about that promotion? I'm going to say it. I deserve a promotion because I have a vision that um, I think some people don't, and um, I'm hungry and I have stories to tell. Why would I deserve a promotion? Because I have excellent work ethic, and showing up on time is 80% of the job. I'm not looking for a promotion. I'm staying in my lane. I'm retired, and I'm doing this part-time. No uh, promotion needed for me. Done that once, twice, three times. Uh, Done. You know? (laughs) This is As We Work from the Wall Street Journal, a show about the changing workplace and everything you need to know to navigate it. That was Reese Scarabosio, Danielle Nusio, and Mike Wheel. We spoke with them on the streets of New York City. Coming up on the show... Who doesn't want a promotion, am I right? I mean, new title, a bump in pay, recognition of your hard work. A promotion is an often overdue reward for years of work in the trenches. You deserve it. In this era of a tight labor market with people leaving jobs in such high numbers that companies can't keep up, sometimes a promotion is the best way to keep someone around. Sometimes it's a necessity to keep the business running, and sometimes the person that gets the job might not have been ready for it. We're exploring how promotions are playing out right now and the ramifications for you, your colleagues, and the company. Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at viking.com. In the 2022 Global Leadership Monitor from the executive search firm Russell Reynolds Associates, CEOs around the world said availability of key talent and skills is the greatest threat to the health of their companies. The attrition caused by the pandemic and the Great Resignation left holes in organizations, large and small. Look around your own company. You might be helping to plug those holes yourself with extra duties that aren't part of your job description, but that have to get done despite not having enough people around. One advantage of the revolving door is that some employees are finding it's much easier to get a promotion now than it has been in the past. With an unemployment rate of just 3.5%, companies are still struggling to fill positions. So those who have stuck around just might find themselves tapped to rise up the ranks. But that journey is not always straightforward, and we're going to talk about the two tracks it's been taking lately. Later in the show, we'll hear from a leadership coach who works with people who needed help after being promoted before they were ready. But first, we're going to explore how companies are using promotions to keep people around, Ebony Martin is a lab technician at a hospital in Chicago, and she got a promotion because she was ready for a change and started looking elsewhere. She's here to share that story of surprise and adjustment and how she got up to speed. Ebony, glad to have you with us. Hi. So you are in a a newish role. What were you doing before and what are you doing now? Previously, I was working in the core lab as a um, pre-analytical technician. Um, Now I work in the hematology lab, which mostly handles um, bone marrow procedures, Hmm. complete blood counts. So like a, a medical lab technician role. How different are those roles for those of us who are not in the medical industry? They're pretty different doing pre-analytical tech 
is more general. You're more just separating things to go to their specialized departments. And now that I work in a specialized department, I only run those tests and assist in the bone marrow procedures. Hmm. Well, when you first started thinking about uh, wanting a promotion, what was going on? Why did you want it? I primarily wanted a promotion because I needed a better schedule. My previous schedule was second shift. I worked every other weekend and I have a small child, so it wasn't really working out. His dad and I, we were separated and so we're going through a divorce now. So instead of making a lateral move, I decided that I wanted to, you know, get a promotion and get a better schedule at the same time. What is second shift? When, when is it? 3 p.m. to 11.30 p.m. Uh-huh. And I worked every other weekend. And what else was going through your head that, that you kind of were thinking you might need to change? Well, just in general, I, I really didn't like my previous job that much. It was just very hectic. Mm. And there was no like work-life balance, really. I mean, also, of course, more money. <laughs> of course. I, I guess the combination of, of three things, wanting just more job satisfaction, a better schedule and more money. And I felt like it was time to pursue that. So how did you end up approaching your boss about wanting a change? What, what did that conversation go like? Luckily, I had a pretty good rapport with my managers and explained to them some of the things that were going on in my personal life. And, um, you know, first I tried to just get a schedule modification because at first there were no positions opened in any other parts of the labs that wasn't working. And um, then I started looking outside of my current place of employment. And um, oh, you started applying for other jobs. Yes. And um, I just let them know what was going on and let them know that um, I don't want to leave, but if I have to. And um, I don't think they made the position for me, but a couple of weeks later, my manager told me of an opening and told me to apply and I got it. You know, Ebony, a lot of times people feel a little overwhelmed at the beginning of a new role. How was it for you? I was familiar with some of the people in the hematology lab because we all we all work like around each other in a way. The thing that I was really nervous about was assisting with the bone marrow procedures. Mm. I had to train for about six weeks for that. And I was just nervous because it's an invasive procedure. A lot of times, you know, these patients are really sick. And um, I was a little nervous about that. How was the support from your superiors as you took the new position? Oh, the support was great. My manager, my new manager is is really awesome. I really like her leadership style. But how's the job going now? Oh, the job is great now. I really enjoy doing the bone marrow procedures. Mm. I really love that part because I still get to interact with patients. Being in the lab is, it can be kind of boring sometimes. It can be a drag, but um, <laughs> it can. I'm, you know, I'm just being honest. It can. Sure, yeah. But a good day is a boring day <laughs> where there's not <laughs> any crazy results or specimens missing or machine breaking or anything. So it was all worth it. Yes, definitely well worth it. Um, I've learned a lot of new things. Of course, the schedule works out a lot better. I don't work weekends anymore, which I love. <laughs> That's probably the best part. <laughs> I've really been able to grow professionally. Evan D. Martin, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. So clearly things worked out for Ebony and she's on her way to a more satisfying career 
because she took a chance on herself and the hospital took a chance on her. Up next, we're going to talk about the workers who didn't necessarily ask anybody to take a chance on them, but they were slotted into promotions anyway. We'll explore some of the pitfalls as well as finding the best way to make the most of an opportunity you're not sure you wanted. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com. So some workers have managed to turn their discontentment with their current jobs into a promotion. An ADP Research Institute survey in April found that more than 60% of workers expected a pay raise in the next year, and more than 40% expected a promotion. So that bump in title, money, and responsibility is on the wish list for a lot of employees. But on the other side of the coin are people who were going along fine in their current jobs, not thinking of jumping ship or anything of the like. But then the boss comes and says, hey, you know that guy who left last week? We need someone to do his job. We don't know how long it would take to fill from the outside, so we'd like you to take it and run with it. Oh, hey, wait, what? You want me to do my supervisor's job? You want to promote me? I feel like I should be glad about this, but uh, you sure you want to do this? That last one is a question being asked not just by the person being promoted before they're ready and willing, but also by the people they're passing on the way up the ladder. Steve Dion joins us now. He's a former HR executive who now helps companies and their employees with leadership coaching and organizational development. Lately, he's done a lot of work to help both sides of that equation overcome the hurdles of rapid promotions. Steve, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. So you're a leadership coach. Uh, You probably worked with people who are promoted before they're really ready to take on a new role. Uh, Are you seeing this more lately? Absolutely. More recently, with this great resignation phenomena, organizations are finding themselves prematurely promoting people all the time. So, you know, I have one organization that recently called us because they said, you know, we have 25 sales managers in our organization, and each of those sales managers have five people each, and 20 of those 25 people, it's their first time managing people. Wow. So, what were some of the things that they wanted to talk about? They feel that the new manager just doesn't have a bearing for understanding what it means to lead other people. The organization had this great migration of people leaving, and they just promoted one, promoted another. Their traditional succession planning process sort of went out the window, and now they find themselves with people that don't know how to give somebody else feedback, how to handle conflict, how to have the confidence to lean into managing these people and direct them. And then it creates a poor work environment for those employees who say, I don't understand what's expected of me. And then the cycle continues. We're really talking about a lot of pandemic promotions happening with people who are mid-career. You know, we're seeing it at all levels. So it can be a new college graduate who is saying, hey, I'm looking at this labor market. I want to make a lot of money. And they're negotiating a job where 
you know, maybe they would have originally wanted a junior IT analyst position and they're going through the interview process and they're saying, hey, I can make a lot more money. And they're requesting and getting a senior IT analyst job. Mm. Well, now they don't have that junior mentorship. They're going into a role right out of college and being expected to do some things. And then the person saying, I got it. I'm a little concerned that six months a year down the road, A, they don't have it. And then there's a problem with their performance. Or B, they don't get the fundamentals they need to understand the business and the organization. And so they move through the organization too quickly. And down the road, there's going to be some gaps in their performance. When we talk about the reason for some of these promotions, you already mentioned the great resignation, of course. I wonder also if some of these promotions might be a bit at retention. We are finding um, situations where organizations are hiring us to do executive coaching for mid and senior leaders, not even to help them be more proficient in their role, but to say, I want to give them a coach to help them manage through this crazy new environment with the well-being issues so that they choose to stay here and they don't say, I'm burnt out. I want to leave the organization. So recently I read, you know, even uh, Cisco said they promoted 30% of their workforce in the last year. And the chief HR officer said, we know that the market's such that if we don't promote them, somebody will. So we're taking a risk to promote more people than our traditional succession planning might have had us do. And where somebody might have stayed in a role for a year, two years to master it, they're in a role for six months and then moving on to the next thing. So Steve, say you're a company executive. What does the conversation in your head sound like when you make this decision to promote someone possibly before they're really ready to do it. Do you think they consider whether their workers are really truly ready to do that? I do think organizations are realizing that they're making some suboptimal choices. What a senior leader is doing, I believe, is they're going out to the market, they're looking externally, they're finding people that are saying, I won't consider this job unless you pay 50% more than the previous incumbent had. They're going through the process and finding three, four, five people turned on the job. And then they're saying, you know, I I have to play the cards that I have and let's promote this person and let's hope that they that they work. Are more people coming to you for help uh, from certain types of industries? This is across the board. We work with a lot of manufacturing organizations that I've had CEOs tell me they have up to 60% turnover in a plant and are struggling with being able to produce product. We work with a lot of healthcare organizations that are struggling to retain nurse managers. Mm -hmm. And we even work with a global food company that they have pent up demand. People want to come to their stores and buy food. They have to shut stores because they don't have enough managers and workers to be able to fill the store. It's a really frustrating problem. Let's get into some paths forward here. Um, Thinking about some of the people you've worked with who have dealt with these types of maybe premature promotions, what should they consider when deciding whether to take these offers? Can you really say no? That is a great question. Is it safe to say no? And if I say no, should I then just go work somewhere else? I believe that you absolutely can have that conversation and say no and have it from the standpoint of helping the organization to say, let me better understand what you expect of me over this next year. Let's both understand 
what I have available to give. And let's have an open dialogue and negotiate that. So I think a candidate can say, I appreciate this, but I want to stay with the organization. This isn't the right time for me. And organizations will listen to that. But if you do say no, isn't there a possibility that you'll then get tagged as someone without ambition and possibly never have that opportunity again? It's a possibility. Absolutely. You know, as a leadership coach, many times I say it isn't what you say, it's how you say it. And in this case, it's really about socializing the reasons why, where you're at. And again, if it's what's in the best interest for the company, and it's very appropriate to say, here's what's going on in my life. I'm getting married. I'm having a baby. My parents ailing. Like, here's what you may not know. And if I can't give my all to this, I think you should give it to somebody else Mm. who can. But I'm interested in it. And next time around, you know, consider me your person. Yeah. Steve, what about situations where it was something of a slow slide into a promotion and and not a formal offer? You know, a little more responsibility here, a little more responsibility there. How does the employee identify that sort of role creep and respond? Oh, that is happening all the time. That's a great observation. And it is slow and it can be maddening for that employee. The organization is just giving somebody more and more pieces of responsibility and not an actual new job. And somebody doesn't see it as career progression if they're making no more money and just being asked to take on somebody else's work. A lot of people just, you know, they don't want to have conflict. So they'll start looking for another job without giving their employer the opportunity to say, you know, you're right. So people who have accepted these promotions or had them foisted upon them and don't really feel prepared, maybe didn't even want to take that job, How should they proceed? From an employee's perspective, I think one of the things they need to do is pay attention to their own work-life balance and make sure that they aren't spending so much time that they aren't coming to the table every day with the level of focus and energy they need. You know, when you do something for the first time, it takes a lot more concerted effort and energy. And if you have worked 12-hour days and you're trying to do, you know, do the worker job and do the manager job, you come in the next day, possibly not putting your best foot forward and you need to focus and and really do each new task in, in a concerted effort. What's the risk if companies don't address this and just basically do these promotions and assume that everything is going fine? Obviously, there's a, the possibility that more people will leave, but are, are there other knock-on effects? Well, because organizations have toxic work environments and we know that people leave bosses. If you start promoting people to management and director roles who really don't have the emotional intelligence and the ability to do that work, you're just perpetuating that and we'll have continued double-digit turnover. All right. I want to end this on a a positive note. Um, What are some of the upsides of this? The next generation of young managers bring a lot to the table. They're technically savvy. They're ambitious, hardworking, flexible, eager to make a difference in their organization. So if you can accelerate their advancement in a nurturing, healthy environment, I think we can stop some of the great resignation issues by accelerating development. And for the individual, it could be a real opportunity. Absolutely. For that individual who says, I'm working because I want to make a difference in this organization, and they're being asked to do that, in a way that's really impactful for that person, they're going to stay there longer and not move every two to three years because the organization trusted them. 
Or move every two to three months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in today's world, or move every two to three months. Steve Dion, thank you so much for your time. Glad to be here. So plenty of upsides to getting that promotion, but here's a potential downside. All those little annoyances at work that you vented about with your peers, the long sighs and eye rolls you shared with colleagues in the hallway. Yeah, who do you vent to now that you're a step up on the ladder? Well, coming up, we'll share some tips for where and when and to whom you can and should let fly with your frustrations at work. Rapid expansion? We're ready. Worker shortage? We're good. Anything can change the world of work. A celebrity buys the company. Depends on who it is. But relax, we've got ADP. From HR to payroll, ADP designs forward-thinking solutions to take on the next anything. And finally today, our pro tip. We've all done it spewed to a colleague about something that's annoying us at work. Sometimes we're just mad as heck and we don't want to take it anymore and we open the floodgates to a colleague. Well, our life and work columnist Rachel Feinzig is here with some advice for when that happens. And Rachel, I'm wondering if you have a second, you would not believe what is going on at the office today. I can't even believe it. And I've got to share it with somebody. Tess, tell me all about it. Get it off your chest. But I really shouldn't do that, right? So let's let's talk about how to go about venting uh, without ruining your career or your reputation. First of all, what are some of the risks of talking about work frustrations with colleagues? So, I mean, part of it is that you'll get like a reputation as a complainer or, you know, turn into the 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 topic of gossip on your team. Also, what I heard from folks is. In a way, when we're venting, we're kind of sharing our own secret insecurity. Mm. So you're kind of like burying yourself in this way. And, you know, you're venting about like, do you think that Kenneth was treating you like you don't know what you're talking about in a meeting? Like the person you're venting to might be like, are you good at your job? Like, I right. do, you know, there's so many ways that this can go wrong. So who should you not be venting to? And, and how can you tell who's safe and who's not? So you don't want to vent to your boss. There is a sense that bosses can be kind of a repository for employee stress, Mm -hmm. and there are certainly some complaints you might want to level to your boss, but you don't want them to be your kind of first-line object of your raw venting. And you also don't want to vent to people below you. You don't want to kind of entangle them on inter-team drama. So you're really looking for someone that you trust, who's basically at your level, and who's not already entangled in the thing that is prompting you to vent. So what are some constructive ways to... Get this thing off your chest. How do you go about uh, detailing what's driving you nuts? So one really good tip that I got from an expert, a coach who's also a psychologist, was that you want to kind of keep the subjective stuff, the emotional stuff, the juicy stuff, she called it, about yourself. So instead of saying something like, Bob was really disrespectful for me to me today, just state the stuff about Bob in a really factual way. Bob interrupted me at the meeting, and that made me feel like he doesn't have confidence in me. So again, the subjective stuff is about yourself, and when you're talking about other people, keep it objective. But Rachel, there are just so many ways to vent these days, right? So many avenues. Do I have to scream into a pillow? 
Pillow's not a bad idea. <laughs> I, I also heard a voice memo on your phone. It's so tempting, right? To just yeah. be like, their Slack is right there. That Gchat is blinking, but you should really be careful if you're writing stuff down. The voice memo idea is to vent to yourself first. Vent in a voice memo, play it back to yourself and ask yourself, do I sound totally ridiculous? <laughs> and then delete it so there's no record. And if you do sound ridiculous, maybe you realize that and you don't need to vent further. If you're like, no, this is a valid concern then maybe you take it to someone that you trust. I assume it, 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 there are some points where you should just suck it up and put on a happy face. Yeah. I mean, I think if you sound ridiculous when you hear yourself doing it, if it's happening over and over again, you might just need a new job mm. and it might be time for you to kind of make that move. We're hopefully not going to be venting constantly. Okay. Well, Rachel Feinzig, I feel so much better. Thanks for listening. I am happy to be the repository of your venting anytime, Tess. Next time, the State of the Union, actually the State of the Unions. In the first half of this year, employees at more than 1,400 U.S. companies filed petitions to unionize with the National Labor Relations Board. Even companies that tout their favorable working conditions are seeing organizing efforts. We'll talk with a labor leader from a Trader Joe's store in Minneapolis that just voted to form a union and hear from a former official at the NLRB about what's behind this latest worker movement. Like the show, tell your friends to subscribe and give us a five-star review on your favorite platform. As we work as a production of The Wall Street Journal, Charlotte Gartenberg is our producer, Jonathan Sanders is our booking producer, Scott Salloway is our supervising producer, Jessica Fenton is a Bootsy Collins baseline, and our sound engineer. Our music was composed by Hansdale Sue. Kateri Yoakum is The Wall Street Journal's executive producer of audio. I'm Tess Vigland. See you next time. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com.